If you have your Bibles with you, I would invite you to turn to the book of Proverbs. We have been going through the book of Proverbs uh, in the evenings. Proverbs is a challenging book to preach through because many of its passages, its chapters, are merely groups of couplets with pithy sayings. After all, that's what a proverb is. It's a, it's a short saying, and, and piecing them together can sometimes uh, be a challenge. This evening, I'd like to look at chapter 11 together. Proverbs 11. There are 31 verses in Proverbs 11. And to look at it from a theme that runs through chapter 11 about living in community. So if you would please give attention to the reading of God's holy word. The word of the Lord is completely authoritative. The word of the Lord is completely sufficient. And praise be to the Lord that His word is completely without error. Proverbs chapter 11. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight, but the wicked falls by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the treacherous are taken captive by their lust. When the wicked dies, his hope will perish. The expectation of wealth perishes too. The righteous is delivered from trouble and the wicked walks into it instead. With his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor. But by knowledge, the righteous are delivered. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there are shouts of gladness. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. Where there is no guidance, a people falls But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Whoever puts up security for a stranger will surely suffer harm. But he who hates striking hands in pledge is secure. A gracious woman gets honor. And violent men get riches. A man who is kind benefits himself. But a cruel man hurts himself. The wicked earns deceptive wages, but the one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. Whoever is steadfast in righteousness will live, but he who pursues evil will die. Those of crooked heart are an abomination to the Lord, 
but those of blameless ways are his delight. Be assured, an evil person will not go unpunished, but the offspring of the righteous will be delivered. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. The desire of the righteous ends only in good, the expectation of the wicked in wrath. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. The people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. Whoever diligently seeks good seeks favor, but evil comes to him who searches for it. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Whoever troubles his own household will inherit the wind, and the fool will be servant to the wise of heart. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. If the righteous is repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner? Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's pray for his blessing upon it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you this evening for leading us into your word. We pray, O oh Lord, that it would be a great blessing to us. That it would not only sharpen our minds, but that it would fix our wills upon your will. This we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. One of the great challenges to Christians, especially in our day and age, especially in our nation, is the tendency to view the Christian life, to view one's relationship to God, merely in individualistic terms. It's one of the things that has led throughout the centuries to the decline of the church. People see the church as something that is optional, something that is there to meet their own specific needs, that they are the ones who call the shots. We see this in the way that we approach Bible study or even prayer. We think first and foremost of ourselves. And like with all difficulties in the Christian life, the solution is found in the study of God's Word. Because the Lord understands His people. And He knows that His people are drawn in this fashion to be isolated, to think as individuals. And so, this evening we look at Proverbs 11, which is a panoply of couplets that describes for us the importance of living in a community. We might even say the importance of understanding that we live in a community. For you see, often we speak longingly of community as something we need and need to build and need to get, when the reality is we are already in community. We just need to understand it and act accordingly in a godly fashion. And so... Proverbs chapter 11 gives us some advice that 
it seems to me, come under three broad headings. First, that we are a people who should be living with integrity. Second, we are a people who should be living with discretion. And third, we are a people who should be living with generosity. People who have integrity, discretion, and who are generous. Let's begin then by looking at the integrity that the Lord calls us to. It's, it comes right out of the gate, doesn't it, in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord. Now, it, this may seem sort of very far off from us in the day and age that we have where we expect scales to be monitored by the government. We can see digital readouts. We perhaps even have devices on us that measure and are accurate. And so we may not understand how critical this is. The things that we take for granted, buying and selling. Could you imagine what it would be like to go into a store and to buy a new lawnmower and take it out of the box and it doesn't work and you can't return it? Or to go to the grocery store and to buy food and to open it up and to see that it is spoiled and there's nothing you can do about it. Or perhaps someone comes and purchases something from you and they hand you money that turns out to be worthless. You see, these sorts of things aren't just individual acts of wickedness. They strike at the very core and the fiber of our community, of our ability to do business with one another, to trust other people broadly. Because you see, when we are the victims of dishonesty, it's not just the dishonest person that we have a problem with. We begin then to doubt everyone and all transactions. And we begin to be isolated. And so the proverb comes to us that we are to be people of integrity. And that is something that the Lord values. Not just because it is right in and of itself. Although it is. But because that rightness is something that allows us to live together in peace and in harmony and in encouragement. Our natural tendency is toward dishonesty either to gain an advantage that we do not deserve, as we see in verse 1, or whether it is to think more of ourselves than really we ought to, in verse 2. With unjust weights and with pride, we are kicking against not only God's law, but the relationships that God desires for us. The Bible tells us that we are to fight this tendency to live dishonestly. And in verse 3, it gives us two examples that the integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Now, this sounds good and vague, but let me give you two biblical examples that you can dwell on. There is a man who lived by the motto of verse 3, the first half, the integrity of the upright guides them. Being guided by integrity at all turns, whether it would be profitable or not, always choosing to honor the Lord and to follow after Him. Of course, you know the story well, perhaps from your youth. It's the story of Joseph. 
Through all of his trials, through all of his tribulations, he sought to honor the Lord, to be fair to others, to even help others in the midst of his distress. Now, not all of us will see the end of those days of integrity by rising up to the highest levels of government as Joseph did. But one thing that we can know is that as we walk in integrity, we please the Lord, we honor Him, and we will earn His blessing. Well done, good and faithful servant. The Bible gives us another example of someone else without integrity. You may recall him from the book of Esther, the man named Haman, who always was trying to get ahead through some device or trick or lie, trying to play all of the odds, cut all of the corners, manipulate everyone he could. And at the end of the day, he was destroyed by his own wickedness, caught up in his own plot. He declared his own sentence of death in his hopes to destroy another. And then, in what has got to be one of the most ironic scenes in all of the Scripture, he is literally hanged on the gallows that he built. This is the end of those who are wicked. But you see, if we are to have integrity in our actions, if we are to live lives of integrity, what we must see is the big picture. Because we have to be honest with ourselves. Integrity doesn't always bring advantage each and every day in each and every specific instance. There's always a way that we can get ahead just a little bit through a white lie. Through shaving. Through putting our thumb on the scale. But you see, if we see the big picture, we understand that living with integrity, acting with integrity, is something that honors the Lord and brings us satisfaction and blessing. We see this in verse 8. The righteous is delivered from trouble, and the wicked walks into it instead. You see, wickedness is like walking blindly through a minefield, or through an area in which there are huge pits or craters, thinking that we are secure because we can see and know everything. All the while we are headed toward destruction. But to live with righteousness and integrity is to be delivered by the Lord. You see, it is not that the righteous can see the mines or see the pits better than the wicked. But the Lord delivers him by his providence, by his mercy. You see, we are always vulnerable because we do not have all the answers. But if we see the big picture, we rely upon the Lord to carry us through. The upright know that the safe path is the Lord's path. We see this in verses 5 and 6. The righteousness of the blameless keeps him on the straight way. The righteousness of the upright delivers them. The upright know that they have help. They know that there is more than the present. Whereas the wicked think that they are in complete control, and this causes them to fall by their own wickedness. 
Verse 7 reminds us of this big picture. When the wicked dies, his hope will perish. And the expectation of wealth perishes too. This is true with respect to a proverb that we all know. You can't take it with you. The bumper sticker that says, He who dies with the most toys wins is stupid. You see, you cannot take it with you. When was the last time you saw a corpse enjoy a flat screen TV? Do you know a relative that put into their will that each year you need to put the latest version of the iPhone into their grave? No. And yet sometimes we live as if that was true. As if gaining a small temporary advantage was worthwhile. Well, there's not just integrity that we should have in our actions. We also need to have integrity with our words. And this is much more difficult, isn't it? Our words can slip out from us, even unthinkingly. But we have to understand that our speech is powerful. We see this here in verse 9. Speech is powerful on a personal level. With his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor. But by knowledge, the righteous are delivered. You see, the things that we say can indeed hurt others. And so it seems self-evident, but the proverb is worth restating. As we live in a community with others, we must be careful what we say. For others deserve respect and honor and encouragement. And we can fail this in our words. Our speech is also powerful even on a broader community level. We see this in verse 11. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. Perhaps a wonderful example of this historically is the great World War II aphorism. Loose lips sink ships. But isn't this really true? Haven't you seen companies destroyed by someone's comments? Haven't you even seen nations undergo civil war and destruction based on what someone has said? You see, we have to understand there is power in our speech. And when we dwell and live with others, that power is for good or for ill. The community around us understands this and it responds accordingly. Look at verse 10. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there are shouts of gladness. Now, imagine that for a moment. The one who thinks that he has figured everything out, has all the solutions, knows exactly what to do. Upon his death, there are shouts of of joy. What kind of a life is that to have lived? To be remembered on the anniversary of your death by joy and gladness that you're no longer around anymore. You see, the things that we do and we say have consequences on others. And we are called to be beacons of encouragement to follow the Lord, and to help others. 
Well, there's a second thing that we can do as we live. We not only live with integrity, we're called to live with discretion. And by that, we are to live with a proper understanding of the community around us and to use wisdom in our interactions. Discretion is necessary, the Proverbs say, in order to prosper. Verse 14 tells us that we need advice. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. Now, think about that in your own life. I'm sure if we were to speak about community, you would say, I want to dwell in community. I want to have others around me. I want to have relationships and to build people up. Then ask yourself this question. Do you take advice? Or are you the person that always has all the answers? You're always right. You never need anyone to help you. You see, that's not how community works. That's how God is. God doesn't need anyone else. God doesn't need any advice. God always has things under control. And here's a secret. You're not God. And so we need help and advice of others. Part of being in community is helping others with advice, but also being willing to receive advice, to realize that there is more beyond us. It is not just without guidance that a people falls. It is that in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. We are to draw upon the entirety of the community from differing aspects to realize that God has created us marvelously different and diverse. We have varied backgrounds, varied intellects, varied likes and desires. And that's good. Have you thought about that the worst thing that could happen to a church is that everyone was the same? Everyone was the same age. And they liked the same food. And they wore the same clothing. And liked the exact same music. No. That's not how God created the world. Look at the variety in the world of flowers, of trees, of mountains, of oceans, of animals. And of course of people. All of that variety is a testimony to the wonder and greatness of God. So as we live amongst each other, we should celebrate that. We should be encouraged by that. Not in some sort of enforced governmental way, but we should celebrate each other as we each follow the Lord. Because within that diversity, there is also unity. There is a diversity of gifts. There is a diversity of preferences. But there is one way to follow the Lord. We need to know each other. and To build up trust. This discretion is not only necessary to prosper. This discretion eventually shows itself. You see, respect is not something we can force others to show. Look at verse 16. A gracious woman gets honor and violent men get riches. Now, at first glance, this verse seems to be saying it's good to be violent. You can get some money. But look closer. A gracious woman who in this day and age would be far lower on the social ladder 
than a man of wealth. But she is the one who gets the honor. He may have gotten the wealth, but he cannot by violence obtain honor and respect. That discretion eventually shows itself. And so the proverb tells us that we are not to be deceived by false rewards. The wicked earn deceptive wages, verse 18 says. Whoever is steadfast in righteousness will live, but he who pursues evil will die. You see, if we do not pursue the path of righteousness and honesty, if we do not live with wisdom and discretion, we are deluding ourselves. Because after all, the Lord sees the reality. His standards are completely uncompromising. Those of a crooked heart are an abomination to the Lord, verse 20 tells us. But those of blameless ways are His delight. The Lord sees through to the heart. All of our pretense is stripped away before Him. And His scales are just. Be assured, an evil person will not go unpunished. But the offspring of the righteous will be delivered. And then the proverb gives us this wonderful picture of how the Lord sees the reality and how you cannot fool Him. It says, in verse 22, like a gold ring. Well, let's stop there for a moment. What in some senses is more beautiful and simple than a shining gold ring? For many of us, it's what we use as wedding bands. It's something that is pleasing to the sight and and seems to have great value. Like a gold ring in a pig's nose is a beautiful woman without discretion. Now, how many of you would want to go up and admire a gold ring and get pig snot all over you? That's the image that Proverbs is giving us. That's how foolish it is to think that we can fool the Lord, that we can be something special because of who we are and we have it all together. And when we do that, we're just playing the part of the pig, dressing it up a little. You cannot fool God. The third and final thing, briefly, that we are encouraged to do as we live in our community is to live with generosity. And we see this beginning here at verse 24. One gives life, excuse me, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will be himself watered. Now we can look at this out of context and say, well, I'm going to be generous. If I give someone a hundred dollars, God will make sure I get a thousand back. Let me do the math on that. I'm going to give someone a thousand dollars. And maybe I'll get a million back. But you see, that's taking the proverb out of its context. I would put it to you that this is not primarily about money. It doesn't say be generous and you'll be richer in wealth. It says you'll be richer and not suffer want. And if our context is living in community, then who is the richer person than one who is known, honored, and loved in community? You see, if we are generous, 
We will be rich indeed. We will know the blessing of the Lord. We will know peace of heart and mind. And we will have love that surrounds us. Whereas if we withhold and are stingy and think only of ourselves, we will isolate ourselves from our community. And then we will suffer want, loneliness, pain. Generosity has its reward. And the community understands this. Look at verse 26. The people curse him who holds back grain. But a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. Whoever diligently seeks good seeks favor, but evil comes to him who searches for it. This is to say, as it were, you reap what you sow. If you are generous... You will reap generosity of others. If you honor others, you will in turn be honored and respected. This is what it means to live in community. And this should not surprise us because at the heart of our generosity is a public acknowledgement that we trust the Lord. Some trust in riches. And there they will fall, verse 28 says. Some trust in themselves, and so they trouble their own household. That they too will fall. But the righteous know that the true reward comes from the Lord. Look at verse 31. The righteous is repaid on the earth. And the righteous then act in that view. Verse 30 tells us that the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And whoever captures souls is wise. You see, what the proverb is saying in some is that as we live in community and we understand that we are a part of God's covenantal people, we long to see that people flourish, to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't keep that riches to ourselves. You see... The best thing for our community is to be strengthened and to be expanded that Jesus might get all the glory. We must be focused outwardly, not worried about what we might lose or what we might not have. And instead thinking what glory Jesus will get as His people love each other, serve each other, and worship Him. That's true Christian community. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You this evening for teaching us about a desire that You have that we live in community and honor You. And so, Lord, we ask that You would bless our time together this evening, that You would bless the food that has been prepared for us, that You would bless our conversation, that we would encourage one another in the Lord. This we ask in great confidence. For we ask it based upon the work and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen.